welcome back to the Mike Meets London Tastemakers podcast. In this episode, I'm chatting to Matthew Carver, the director of The Cheese Bar. We talk about how he went from selling grilled cheese out of an ice cream van to three restaurants and a cheese shop all across London, including the brand new Cheese Barge in Paddington. I met up with Matthew at Pick and Cheese, which is the conveyor belt restaurant in Seven Dials Market. So sorry for a little bit of a background noise there. Uh, and in the interest of full disclosure, I work with the Cheese Bar on their social media, so I'm a little bit biased, but their food is very good. Uh, so let's get cracking. So uh, I'm here with Matthew Carver, director and mastermind behind the Cheese Bar, um, and we're sat in Pick and Cheese at Seven Dials Market, which is the world's first cheese conveyor belt restaurant, and we might get onto that in a bit. But for now, uh, do you want to tell us sort of the elevator pitch for what the cheese bar is yeah so the cheese bar firstly started as the cheese truck uh, about seven years ago now and the uh, mission is to champion British cheese so we work with lots of small producers uh, small cheese makers around the UK uh, source all the cheese direct and then sell it in our restaurants and on our food trucks very nice very nice and so did you have a particular sort of history of food coming into this that sort of led you into the industry? Not particularly, no. I um, studied furniture design before I got into food and restaurants. And during my time at university, I ended up working for some other people selling food at music festivals. So I did that, you know, as a, as a kind of summer job while I was at uni, really enjoyed it. And then once I left university, graduated, got an internship, in an office, hated um, working in an office and so found myself drawn back to selling food at festivals Mm. and so did that for a few years for other people and then decided we would get an old ice cream van and start selling our own food. Very nice and so how did the the sort of idea of the cheese truck then come about or did the van come first? (laughs) Well so the the van was um, came about by by chance and it kind of coincided with I uh, gave up a job that I was doing for someone else at the time uh, doing food at music festivals and events and stuff like that gave up the job and decided that I would go to America where Mm. like food truck and food trucks Mm. and that kind of culture of street food was so much more popular Mm. and so I thought I'd go there have a look at what was around have a look what was popular and try and find some inspiration um, to come back and, and start, start on my own. And so I, I went to America, kind of traveled around a bit, um, went to like Los Angeles and San Francisco and looked at, looked at food culture and street food culture over there. And one of the things that struck me was quite often at like food truck festivals and events, the grilled cheese stall always had this like massive queue. And so I decided, yeah, like, that seems like as good a thing as any to do. Um, so it was that, and I also went to a, a restaurant in San Francisco that was called Mission Cheese, and it was, it's sadly closed now, but mm. when it was open, it, it championed small producer American artisan cheese. Right. And I think I found that quite interesting because my perception of um, American cheese mm. before I went to, that, to, to Mission Cheese was that it was very much like crap processed yeah. slices, <laughs> not like really good quality incredibly tasty cheese Mm. and so I I suppose those were kind of the two main inspirations and then coming back to the UK after after that I found like I wanted to find out more about British artisan cheese and so spoke to lots of friends of mine and uh, yeah lots of my friends at the time who were sort of mid mid 20s and 
and no one seemed to really know that much about British cheese mm. or, or could really tell me that much about it and I found that the only kind of places you got that really talked about it or, or focused on it were like Neil's Yard, your Paxton and Whitfield or like quite high-end restaurants mm. having it on a cheese course and I felt like there was a, an opportunity to have those same really great cheeses but serve them in in more of a like fun informal way mm. yeah and I think I mean as you say the cheese truck doesn't need much of an introduction obviously no. it's very well traveled as well like yeah. you've got around the world as well as to uh, the festival scene over here but how, how did you make that transition to sort of bricks and mortar then with the, with the cheese bar was that always on the cards or? yeah I think it was a I think it was like a, a dream to open a bricks and mortar place I don't know if we it was always on the cards but we kind of started doing street foods um, and the food truck and that's really good but food trucks run on like quite limited menus you know you have a short menu you sell lots of it and that that's kind of how your your business works but as we got more into like British cheese and and started meeting more producers and wanted opportunity to showcase more cheeses and more dishes the only way we really felt we could do that is by opening like a permanent kind of bricks and mortar mm. space and so a friend of a friend ended up working um, at Camden Market as like a asset manager, someone who looks after like lettings. Nice. And um, it was at the time the market changed hands and was bought by a, by a new investor. And they were offering quite good incentives to get people to open, you know, fixed premises mm-hmm. there. Um, and I, I think at the time we felt it was quite a nice fit because we have this kind of like the business is kind of built on or at the time was built on this like being at music events quite British and I think Camden Market kind of felt like it fitted those Mm. those same kind of ideas yeah and so how have you found I guess if if you want to use the restaurant as a way to sort of bring artisan cheese to people sort of how have you found the response to that as like have people I guess like lent into it and like tried to educate themselves a bit more or yeah, I have think they just they... coming and enjoying some filthy cheese dishes? Like... Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? Like if, if your aim is to be like fun and informal, you sort of have to be careful that you don't over-educate or, mm. or don't become too preachy. Um, and I think it's about subtly turning people on to British cheese, you know? So if 20% of the people that walk through the door in Camden uh, remember a British cheese or, or read about a producer and go away and want to find out a bit more then that's great mm. like and if 80% come in eat British cheese and enjoy it then that's also great you know like I think our the British cheese industry needs supporting and pushing and whether that's through us buying a load of cheese and selling it to people who don't further their education or to that small minority of people who do come in and like it piques their interest and they want to find out more. It, it works both ways, nice. Um, yeah. Nice, and so, you know, grilled cheese truck, that's sort of been done, like cheesy restaurant, very cool, but like not super out there. But here we have the conveyor belt cheese restaurant yeah. and your newest addition, the cheese barge, a floating cheese restaurant. So where do all the kind of ideas come from? And I guess, how do you move on to the next big thing? I think we're quite, um, or I was quite conscious of the fact that a cheese, like a, a hot cheese restaurant is fairly niche, mm. like, and I don't think you, you could replicate that 10 times in the city and 
have busy restaurants. Right. Um, so there's that side to it. And there's also the side to it that like, I think we are in business to, to create like fun experiences. And so I don't think just replicating, you know, re- replicating the restaurant yeah. over and over again is, is, is very fun. And, you know, so I, I think as well, our venues kind of, or our restaurants tell a story of how we've evolved as a business. You know, like Camden is very much a natural progression from the trucks. It's like Instaporn, like indulgent comfort food dishes that right. get people excited. And then I think we opened Camden and we got more and more into like British cheese and wanted to, uh, had confidence to like showcase cheese in its, in its natural state. You know, like by doing cheese boards, you, you show cheese, you know, as it is. And I think as our confidence in cheese grew, our inclination to do that grew. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, like about a year after opening Camden, I was like, I really want to open like a cheese and wine bar. Mm. But again, like, I think we were driven by that fact that we want it to be different and we wanted it to be like more fun, more informal. You know, I think cheese and wine bars have a very stagnant image. Yeah. Like yeah. lots of like faux French um, wine bars where you order a bottle of wine and a cheese board and sit for two hours and I think I was interested to see how far you could you could push push cheese and how make it more of like a kind of not grab and go but more of like a casual bite mm. and so we were actually on holiday me and uh, Taylor my wife in Mexico and I was reading this story uh, on some food blog somewhere about the guy who put uh, sushi on the first sushi convey right. about and he was saying that you know like he wanted to bring sushi to the masses mm. and um, make it less of like a thing for the wealthy middle class right. and more like accessible and I, I thought there's some like similarities with what we we're trying to do with cheese yeah. um, and so the conveyor belt he was saying enabled him to cut his you know staff cost down be able to offer it at a cheaper price and, and I thought, God, that's, that rings true a lot with what we want to do. And I think the side effect or, or another side to that is also that it makes it pretty fun. You yeah. know, like as much as a conveyor belt can seem like a gimmick, it is actually quite a fun experience. For sure, yeah. And, and, and lots of things about it. The more I, I kind of thought about it and I talked to people about it, there's two camps. One was like, especially one in the cheese industry was like, oh my God, you can't put cheese on a conveyor belt like yeah yeah, it like cheapens it or like somehow makes it feel like it's of less quality Mm. um and then there's the other camp that's like actually you know it sort of works practically a lot better you know a conveyor belt for cheese works better than it does for sushi because cheese should be served at room temperature Mm. um whereas raw fish generally should not be served at room temperature (laughs) um and so lots of things like actually started to ring true that this could be a really good idea. Yeah. And then came and met the guys from Curb. We were supposed to be opening our third restaurant, which at the time was supposed to be our second restaurant, the Cheese Barge. And that all got really badly delayed. Uh, and in the May of 2019, I came and met the guys from Curb. And Ian, who works for Curb, was um, a cheesemonger previously. Right. And we saw this space in Seven Dials and he was like, we can't do any hot foods. We're thinking like, what could we do? And I said, oh, I've had this really great idea, you know, like, like Yo Sushi, but for cheese. Mm. And they, to be fair to them, were like, yeah, we think it's an incredible idea. And like, um, 
and offered us the space and so we turned it around I think we came to see the space in May and then it opened like the first week of September Um, and I think instantly if you tell people we've got this conveyor belt of cheese people think gimmick or Mm. they think you know like it's it's going to be a one hit wonder you come here once and you know like put it on your Instagram. it's a novel idea (laughs) but actually it's crap when you get there so I think and you know through all of our restaurants and stuff our our thing is that like everything should be done to like the very best it can be so like if we're going to put cheese on a conveyor belt it needs to be like on really good plates Mm. you know like we've got the glass domes that go over the plates made bespoke for us you know like the quality of everything has to be exceptional so that when people sit down you know like people are drawn in by the novelty of oh cheese on a conveyor belt Mm. but then they sit down and they're like oh shit actually this is really really good and i I think it's that surprise factor that has has made pick and cheese so successful Mm. even now it's like people come here thinking we're going to enjoy this because it's a novelty but then they they sit down and they are I think pleasantly surprised by the the quality of the cheese, the quality of the pairings and condiments that come with them. Yeah, just everything they touch. And I think the price point, you know, the plates start at like 2.95 mm. and go up to like 5 pounds on the conveyor belt. And I think that was quite we're quite conscious like if we wanted to compete with other places, you know, cheese and wine bars and stuff, you sort of need to be like a cheese board and a glass of wine for like 12 to 14 pounds. Mm. And so it's kind of that similar price point. You could sit down, get three cheeses and a glass of wine and yeah, right. like 15 pounds max, um, which I think for the quality of the cheese in like prime central London is pretty yeah, good. For sure. Yeah. Like, and as you say, accessibility wise, it's definitely yeah. seems to bring in like a much broader audience. And yeah, you might get the Yosushi comparison a lot, which may or may yeah. not be the most flattering, but it, like, it gets people in, gets people excited. Yeah. yeah. And people come back, which is really cool. Yeah. And I think pick and cheese for me out of all of the things we've done restaurants we've done is the most true to what we want to do like Mm. the amount of people that come here and sit down uh, and they get drawn they come through the door because they've seen on tiktok or instagram that there's an endless conveyor belt of cheese and so then they come and they sit down and they're like that's the novelty of it but Mm. then they sit down and they're like oh my god all these cheeses are british and i didn't realize that you know this cheese is made mm. 10 minutes from where my mum lives or I didn't realize that we made you know a mozzarella in right. in West London or and so I, th- I think that yeah here we get, have so many people like learning and, and taking away bits of knowledge from from what we do which is really really satisfying yeah very cool and so cheese on a boat as well is also a bit of a novelty idea yeah. maybe at first glance but how, how did the barge come about the barge came about from a from a estate agent. A commercial estate agent sent us a, um, a marketing brochure for this new boat that was being built in Paddington by British Lands. And the subject header was just the cheese barge question mark. <laughs> and um, we had sort of no interest, uh, or we didn't have any any inclination to open in Paddington. Mm. Um, I didn't really know an awful lot about Paddington. It's not an area of London I'd particularly explore. And so we got this brochure and we're like, it actually sounds quite fun. <laughs> uh, and so then we, we, we went and met with the, the agents in British Land who were building the barge and heard a bit more about the project and just found it a really interesting project to be involved in. Mm. And I think we thought it feels like it fits, you know, like 
a barge on the canal serving cheese feels like it fits with mm. what we're about you know like it's fun it's informal you know I think it would get people yeah. excited and so we actually started talking to them about two and a half years ago and the project uh, a young architects practice called Adam Richards Architects designed this incredible boat um, and then they built it from scratch and I suppose it's it sort of felt like I mean prior to Covid it sort of felt a bit like being on one of those grand design programs <laughs> where like because it was built from scratch everything that could go wrong did go wrong right um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's been a bit of a it's been a bit of a roller coaster of emotions, and then we got to the point where it was nearly finished last uh, April, March, April, and then obviously COVID happened. Mm. So yeah, so it finally opened last month to great reception. As to well. great reception, yeah. And I think again, it's like it's like an evolution of us as a business. You know, like it's a lot more refined. It feels quite grown up. Um, <laughs> so the menu's a bit more refined. It's a bit more like. I suppose foodie orientated, mm. less like Instagram porn and more like, yeah, more refined. We, we've got like, you know, quinoa and spiced carrot salad, which like is so far removed from selling a grilled cheese sandwich right. at 3 a.m. at Glastonbury. You know, like it feels like an evolution of where we're at. And do you want to talk about any of those mishaps along uh, the way with the barge? Or I mean, the mishaps <laughs> are comical, no? Uh, we have mishaps where the built the barge they designed the barge first of all and it was too big for the mooring so they had to redesign the whole thing one meter shorter <laughs> and then they built it and it was too big to get out of the canals in london so they had to find another way to crane it in uh and then it was too big to get out of the motor. it was built in somerset and then it was too big to get out of the motorway so they had to take the roof off to get it out of the motorway and then they got it into the canal system and it was too high to get into the bridges, so they had to weigh it down with like 40 tons of ballast. And then it sunk twice, and then, yeah. Not comical, the usual, like, comical delays, opening yeah. stories, yeah. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've learned an awful lot about opening restaurants on boats. <laughs> I mean, that could be a new niche market yeah. for you to yeah. go into. Consultancy, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah. It's a really interesting story, and like having dined on the barge, obviously, like the quality uh, speaks for itself. Um, so I, I've been asking people kind of, kind of what their experience during COVID and like lockdown has been. You certainly have an interesting tale because you've opened a cheese shop uh, yeah. as well as the restaurants. Like, how did you get that idea? I suppose. And how are you finding well, it? Well, I think pre-COVID, we have always had, or people have always said, "Oh, you should sell cheese." And I think we've all, I've always been in the mindset that like we shouldn't sell it uh, or we shouldn't start selling cheese unless we put the thought process into what, what it is that we're doing that's different or like, you know, like the cheese bar take on selling mm. cheese, whether that's, you know, through the shops that we sell it in or whatever, like bring something new to it or do it with purpose, not just because we should sell yeah. the cheese. And so I think that's meant that we've just not taken a step to do it. And then obviously COVID happened last March and we, we have like loads of cheese in the restaurant at any one time. You know, a lot of restaurants, their biggest expense is their like, is their meat, you know, like steaks, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But for us, it's the cheese. And so like when we closed last March, we had sort of five or 6,000 pounds worth of cheese in right. various fridges. And so the immediate thought was like, we don't have to waste this cheese. So we just put out on Instagram, you know, like, we're going to sell all our cheese and wine stock 
drop us a text, uh, drop us a message on Instagram with what you want and we'll drop it off at your house in London. And we said we'll do, you know, like East London on a Wednesday, mm. North London on a Tuesday, whatever. That sounds like it could quickly get a lot to handle. <laughs> yeah, and so I think we started like literally the day after restaurants closed and it just, it went, it, it was quite busy and then obviously lockdown was announced and it went mental. And I think at that point people were just like, need to buy food to put in the cupboard like right. this is like yeah. what's happening let's just buy food and wine and put it in the cupboard hoarding so cheese is an yeah. interesting move but yeah <laughs> and so we sold all of that stock in about like two or three weeks and then we're like and and i, th I think at first we were like we'll sell the stock and then work out what we do and i think um we sold all the stock and then we were having started having conversations with our our cheese makers at the time and there was this feeling that they were in a real shit situation you know like all of them had lost 90% of their business overnight and I think you know like our ethos is to champion British cheese and to support British cheese making mm. and I think like at that time we felt like we had to understand the importance of our place in the supply chain and we couldn't just be like oh we're going to put our guys on furlough and we'll, we'll see you when we open right. and want to buy cheese with you again we felt like we had to support them and we had to keep trying to find a way for them to get their cheese to the, mm. to the people. So we were like, right, we'll just carry it on. So we carried it on. And then shortly after we started doing like mail order and sending it around the UK. And that kind of stumbled, we kind of stumbled into that being how we survived lockdown. Mm. And I mean, it was, it was really good. It was, it was nice to be able to A, keep busy, uh, keep some money coming in, and also to support our producers, you know, like keep mm. buying cheese and keep getting cheese to people. And so we did that, you know, for, from March when the restaurants closed all the way through until sort of June, July. And then it really sort of died off when the restaurants opened. And then I think we got to this point sort of coming into the autumn, winter, where everyone was like, there was like this impending feeling yeah. that we might be back into a situation that we were in in March. And uh, we'd been saying how we thought getting a cheese shop would be a really good move because we could run our mail order from it in the event of another lockdown. It could stay open. Selling cheese at Christmas is like mm. big business. You know, like, easy, yeah. yeah <laughs> most cheese shops make 60, 70% of their revenue cool. in that one month. And so we were like, it could be a really good like backup plan. Mm. And so we actually, we were looking for, we were looking for, loosely kind of looking for a unit to do it from. And then I, walk, I was walking up Columbia Road one Sunday morning and uh, there was this empty shop with a Follette sign on and I was mm. like, God, Columbia Road would be great for a cheese shop. And um, ironically, it was far too small to run our mail order from, but uh, I don't know, it felt like a, it felt like a really good fit. Mm. And it was, it's tiny, like 300 square foot shop. The rental was, pretty cheap and I think we was I was so on the fence we'd like from March to this was say end of September when I saw the shop beginning of October it had taken that long for us to get into a situation where our finances as a business were like back in some sense of like oh we're not like in panic mode um, and then I was like do we now spend all that money opening a opening a cheese shop you know like and get ourselves back into like precarious position finance wise and so I was on the fence for about two weeks and then by mid-October we were like looks like shit's gonna hit the fan with COVID yeah. 
So we did it, uh, turned it around in like two weeks and opened mm. the last week of October. And then we were open for one weekend and then lockdown was announced. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe that was a good idea. And so lockdown was announced. At least then we could move all of our cheese from the restaurants mm. to the shop, sold through all of that. And then we opened again, restaurants opened beginning of December for two weeks. Yeah. 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 Beginning of December, restaurants opened. We bought loads of cheese to the restaurants and then two weeks later I had to close again. So the shop got... So yeah, it actually proved through that period, it proved like an absolute lifeline mm. um, for selling the cheese. And it's, it also gave us the opportunity to offer work to some of our team who are on furlough, right, yeah. you know, like because of social distancing we don't need as many um we don't need as many staff in the restaurants as mm. we did before and our aim has been all the way through to try and keep everyone's jobs sure, as much yeah. as we can and so three of the guys that worked in uh the restaurants were able to move to working in the shop so it kind of created three more jobs mm. um and i think it's quite interesting it's it's allowed us to learn you know like to learn a lot more about retailing cheese yeah yeah, I was, I was going to ask, like, how are you finding retail versus, like, the restaurant scene? Like, presumably there was a fair amount to learn. Yeah, <laughs> I think hospitality people going into retail is like, wow, this is, like, chill. You know, like, <laughs> the hours are nicer. It's, 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 like, so much more relaxed. You get time to, like, just talk to people for hours. <laughs> um, not so much at Christmas, but... Yeah. But then I think, like, now we've also been like, actually, but then you do miss that, like, buzz of a busy mm. restaurant. I don't know. It's a, it's a different, it's quite a different kettle of fish. Sure. Um, I do quite like it. And I like the, like, local cheese shop vibe that Funk has. Mm, you know, yeah. like, we have the same customers that come in week in, week out. And you get to know them and get to know their, like, cheese habits. And I think that's what, you know, I, I quite like about restaurants as well is, like, that like customer interaction and getting to know your customers and and a, a local cheese shop feels so so nice about mm. that like yeah. learning about people's wine habits cheese <laughs> habits and and being that place where they come to on a Friday night and get something yeah mm. it's quite nice yeah it kind of invokes that like old school high street yeah. vibe that's like kind of been lost I guess yeah that's very cool um, so. To kind of like invoke a bit about like the breadth of what you do across your sites and get a bit more of an insight into you, I guess. What would yeah. you say is like your top dish from each of your ventures, Oof. including the truck, I suppose? Yeah, top dish. For me, like my top dish from the truck would be our goat's cheese grilled cheese sandwich. Mm. So we do uh, it's rosary goat's cheese, which is like a soft. Um, soft goat's cheese log that's made in uh, Langford near Salisbury by Claire and Chris Moody. And so it's a real fresh kind of lemony goat's cheese. And then it's uh, got walnuts and honey inside the sandwich and then rosemary butter on the outside. And I think it's not, it's not the best selling dish, you know, like cheddar outsells it all day, every day. But I think it's beauty is in, in, in the produce, you know, mm. like it's, it's simple, but because the cheese is incredible, it means that the sandwich is incredible. Camden, I would say for me, it's the blue cheese raclette. Mm. Uh, it's been on the menu since day one. You know, like again, it's not the best selling dish, like the mozzarella sticks probably outsell it 10 times, but it's um, like a little skillet. It's got uh, burnt leeks, potatoes, uh, salt beef, and then, uh, young buck blue cheese mm. over the top and a bit of truffle honey um, and it's 
yeah. just so great. I always, I, I don't eat it that often and then I go back and have it and I'm like, God, this is so good. <laughs> but again, it's the like quality of the, of the young buck yeah. cheese that like just brings it. And I think similar to the goat's cheese, it's that like, you know, like it's not overly complicated. There's not loads of ingredients. Mm. It's just like a few key ingredients, but done really well that yeah. make it so great. Seven dials on the belt, probably. At the moment, it's Cornish Kern with a clotted cream fudge. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think that's quite an interesting one because people are like, oh my God, fudge with cheese. Like, and I think a lot of people pick it off the belt because they want to eat the fudge. Um, <laughs> similarly, we do uh, a Stilton. On the belt, there's a Stilton with a chocolate, brownie, right? yeah, yeah. chocolate brownie. And people, I think, take it for the brownie, but then they're like, oh my God, this pairing like, <laughs> really actually works. And then Paddington. Lots of good options. Yeah, lots <laughs> of good options. They're also all really new. You know, like mm. I've eaten the dishes in Camden for four years. <laughs> so some of them. But Paddington, I feel like maybe the squash spatzel. Mm. Um, just because I think it's a dish you wouldn't necessarily expect from the cheese bar. Right. Um, so it's... Spatz was sort of like an Austrian version of pasta or dumplings. Um, and so it's like pan fried in like sage brown butter. It's got like pine nuts and the squash seeds through it. And then a squash puree in the bottom of the, of the bowl. The spatzel and then English pecorino and crispy sage on top. And it's really, really great. Yeah, um, it's delicious. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so leaving all cheese bar bits aside where would your usual haunt be if you go out to eat not cheese which i assume you do on occasion yeah i feel like i've well i mean i suppose everyone i was gonna say i feel like i've been really rubbish at eating out of restaurants but then i think everyone has haven't <laughs> it's they? not been the best it's not been it, the yeah. best um do you know what i really like i really like going out for like spicy food mm. um really like thai food nice. quite often i think I've often said it, but I think Smoking Goat in Shoreditch is probably my favourite restaurant in London. Right, well. Which is a big call, but, you know, like, I, I go there quite often, and what I like, I think, is it's, like, super accessible, the food is great, the drinks menu is great. Yeah, I just, I, I really, really like it. Um, You're not the only person who said Smoking Goat in yeah. this discussion as well. Really? <laughs> so, yeah, they're definitely doing something right. So, last question for you that I've been asking people is... Do you have an inkling of what the next kind of like big thing on the London food scene might be? Like, what's the next sort of trend that's incoming? Apart from cheese on a barge, obviously. Cheese on a barge. Cheese on a barge has <laughs> been done there, isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Old off, news, Ticked yeah. off the list. I don't, I don't know. I feel like food halls are going to be a big thing again. I feel like they were becoming a big thing pre-COVID mm. and then lost their momentum. Yeah, they were riding the wave and then... But I think they, they, in like a post-COVID world, um, I think like they will fit really well on, on high streets. You know, like there's going to be lots of empty, empty shops, big empty spaces, department stores are like on their knees, you know, like something's got to fill those spaces on the high street. And, uh, you know, like food culture is, is booming in this country. And, and I think that actually food halls could be the thing that takes over those spaces and creates, like, draws people back to the high street. Mm. Um, so I, I think they will have, I think they'll have a, a real good opportunity as we come out of this. Apart from that, I'm not, I'm not overly sure. 
No, cheese. No, cheese is going to be the next cheese big thing. Cheese is the next big thing. I mean, you're in a good position for it then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I am biased, though. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat no to me. And, uh, yeah, I'll see you again soon. Perfect. Sure. Thanks, Mike. Cheers. And there we have it. Thanks once again to Matthew for taking the time to talk to me. If you haven't already tried cheese from a conveyor belt or served on a barge, then what are you waiting for? I'll link to all the socials in the show notes so you can check out the cheese bar there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Mike Eats London or follow the pod at Mike Meets London. If you enjoy the episode, please do subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel like it, drop me a little review as well. It would be awesome if you shared it with a friend so you can uh, share all this cheesy goodness. See you next time.